Okay, welcome to another um, sermon question and answer podcast. We're sitting here with Pastor Joey, Pastor Andrew. Um, after hearing a sermon that Pastor Andrew preached yes uh, Sunday about um, sin and the fall of mankind and how now because of that we're tainted. Uh, we live under the curse of sin now, and um, God using His Son to redeem us from our sins and to, and to to crush the head of the snake. Spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. It's in the first chapter of the book. Of, <laughs> it's in the first book of the Bible, man. It's there. So welcome. Glad you guys are here. Uh, we're going to dive right in to the questions. First one, uh, Adam and Eve did not seem repentant for their actions. When was the idea of repentance introduced? Was there even an opportunity for them to repent? And was repentance a central theme prior to Christ on earth? It's a great question. Very good question. It's a great question. I think um, Adam and Eve did not know sin. They were innocent. And so I think repentance is, um, is it, it comes from first, I think it begins with the conscience, but Adam and Eve did have a conscience. And so they responded in the best way they knew how to sin uh, when they sinned, was they violated the one law that God gave them. And so then they tried to hide, then they tried to blame, they tried to kind of, they 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 couldn't process it. And so I think conscience is a huge answer to the idea of repentance. Um, they violated their conscience. And in violating their conscience, they realized, I have to do something to fix this. And that's really the idea of repentance. I mean, re- repentance in the Greek um, means to change the mind. It's metanoia and in Greek, and it means to change the mind. Um, and they were trying to change their mind about what had happened to them. They were trying to change. The problem was they needed outside intervention. And I think that's the point of repentance. It's, I need outside intervention to be changed. And that's why when God came... He sacrificed the animals and covered them up properly with the blood sacrifice. Um, but that's, I mean, that, that's kind of my thought in regards to the conscience thing. And I think you see the, how instantaneous the conscience is seared mm-hmm. by the way that they respond toward the end. But one of the things we were talking about earlier this week, I forgot to mention Eve's, I was reading through this as you were talking the. Uh, the passage where uh, the Lord addresses Eve and says, what is this you've done after Adam blames her? And she says, the serpent deceived me. And one of the conversations we were having this week is Eve really is the only one that could ever make that, like there there was no original sin in her. Mm-hmm. She really could point to the serpent and say, He's the one that that tempted me to do this. Now, certainly, she has responsibility because she had the c- capacity to choose good or to choose evil, and she chose to be deceived by the serpent. But it, it, it we're not. Um, uh, I think even when we read, we we can't grasp the state that they were in right. prior to the serpent. Like so, we try to import what we know ex- exper- ex- uh, from our experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, into the Genesis one through three reading almost, right. and so they're um, and so when you yeah when you're talking about their 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 consciences weren't held captive by 
their flesh. It wasn't held captive by the world. It wasn't held captive by the serpent, even. It, it was held captive by their communion with God and the Word of God with the one command that you hit on this past Sunday. Uh, and they chose to transgress against that. But there wasn't this battle and this war waging. And so it was a, I n- did not know what shame and sin was all of a sudden things are different and i what are the category what what is this right. that's different and and how should i respond and thankfully god is gracious well and the idea of like when you think about when i think about my children young and innocent in part obviously they're sinners but there's a the response to sin is is a lot different than with my older children um, where their response is a little bit more, um, it, theirs is, they, they, they kind of can process it differently. Okay. I know I need to change. I know I need to move in a different direction where my cho- my younger children, they don't, they can't even process the idea that they sinned. They're angry. They're frustrated. And I think Adam and Eve in innocence, they could not even process like what just happened? Like we feel different instantly. Our conscience is seared now. We violated the law that God had given to us. And now we have to go do something in some way to make it right. And I think that that's the beginning. Those are the beginning steps of repentance. You recognize that you've sinned and um, then you're like, okay, now I need to change my mind about it. I need to look in a different direction. I need to move in a different direction. And um, I mean, we see that at the beginning with Adam and Eve. It cont- continues on with Abraham and Lot that we had talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, you see that again with even Joseph's brothers um, when they sell him into slavery and how they feel bad, and Joseph shows grace and forgiveness and love, and then all the way to the law of Moses. And once the law, I think, was firmly established, then I see the repentance becoming that idea of, walk in righteousness or don't walk in righteousness. And if you're not walking in righteousness, then you need to repent and return to the Lord. It's that idea of returning to the Lord, return to the Lord. And uh, so that's, you know. You know, one thing's for certain, they experienced forgiveness right out of the gate, which means, or what's implied there is they knew something had to be forgiven there, there was there was something that shifted, but I can't even begin to get in this like thinking through. Adam and Eve enjoyed this relationship with the Lord as they were working toward having this eternity with Him in a place better than even the Garden of Eden. But they were experiencing this complete joy and unity, and now that's broken. But they still have a memory of. Right. This is what it was. You know, we do, we're conditioned from a very young age, right, wrong, mm-hmm. do this, don't do this. They weren't, con- they were they created perfect. Evil. Yeah, they were created perfect. And then all of a sudden, when they knew that all changes. When they didn't know, they didn't know good and evil. Yep. So they ate the fruit and then they knew good and evil. Yep. And it, it all hit them all at one time. <laughs> that would, that would be hard. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a little. Okay. Um, next question. Um, is the snake more than an animal in the garden? Did the other animals talk? Are we okay to assume 
that the snake is Satan. No, I think the I, I think that the because of Genesis three fifteen, I think first off that the snake is Satan because it talks about the allusion to Christ or the child being born of woman um, and the serpent biting his heel. Obviously, Satan trying to deliver that death blow and Christ or the, the, the child born of woman is going to deliver the death blow to the serpent by crushing his head. So I think, it, I, think, I think the Bible very much alludes, if not kind of lays it out, um, that yes, the serpent is Satan, um, and then the other part of, is it Narnia? Is, is it Narnia? <laughs> uh, uh, we don't, you know, Eve wasn't surprised to have a conversation with the snake. For those of you who don't know what Narnia is, it's a fictional shame world C.S. Lewis, shame on you, a fictional world C.S. Lewis created where there are talking animals. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yep. Go, go rent it and read it. Yeah, from your public library, it's a yeah. uh, it's a fantastic book on redemption. Right. My favorite uh, set in that series is the Magician's Nephew. I like the Magician's I Nephew, which he wrote that. as a prequel. Yep, he did write it as a prequel. Getting off that picture, but yeah. Now we're talking about Narnia. Yeah, but sorry. yeah. Um, so did did animals talk before the fall of man? Yeah, we we don't know for yeah. sure, but. I don't know, but There's Eve wasn't sitting so, there. Uh, I mean, I not I, you don't want to put stuff there that isn't there, but she didn't seem. It's not recorded in the scripture. What she didn't a, say, talking Whoa, a talking snake! snake. Right? What, what is the snake doing right. talking to me? Well, and there you have and a passage. Why does it have legs? You have a passage of scripture where Balaam's donkey talks to him yeah. as he's beating him, and then the Bible says that the Lord loosed the donkey's tongue. That's yeah. the King Jimmy, but um, yeah, so that would be I, shocking. The idea then of the that the Lord loosed his tongue, meaning that the tongue, because of sin, the tongue is bound in animals. So I mean, there there could my be that. My dog looks at me like he wants to talk. Sometimes. That illusion. I hope my dog can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that, the uh, my wife thought I've our first dog like, was Narnian, yeah. and he understood, and he wanted to talk to us, but he couldn't. Our current dog is too stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Even know. in Narnia, there were some animals that talked and yeah. some animals that didn't talk. Yeah, that's true. So, very true. That's a fun question. It's interesting to think about. Um, okay, so the next question we have here is just kind of maybe if you're able to, Andrew, expand a little bit about one of the points you made in your sermon was we sin because we are sinners. And then after that, you kind of said um, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. Um, and I think you know your point being um, the original sin. We we're all born sinners. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you added, wanted to maybe expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of follow up with that, it's that idea, too, of um, sin is the destructive nature. And whether it be my sin or somebody else's sin, sin exists in the world in humankind. And sometimes I am sinned upon by somebody else. Sometimes it's my own sin. And um, But the idea is all of us possess sin, we come out of the womb with sin, um, and that 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 peace is. Um, and you can look and go, "Oh man, the baby's so sweet, so innocent." And the reality is, um, no, there's they're tainted with sin. They're they're tainted with sin, and um, 
they they don't understand what that means and they're under that original sin and so because of that therefore when given the choice to do something righteous or to sin they're always going to choose sin um i mean even with the conscience i mean remember even with the conscience the world is bent their conscience is bent so you can't even live according to your conscience in a godly way um that's why you need to have outside intervention christ the holy spirit of God, there needs to be that outside intervention. So, um, I think it's really important for us to recognize that um, it wasn't the devil that made me do it. It wasn't my, you know, it wasn't somebody outside making me sin. No, I sin because I am a sinner, and I'm tainted with sin. I was born with this tainted sin, and um, until Christ removes the sin nature, my sin body with a new body. Um, I'll always have that. And that, and that's what Romans 7 really deals with, this idea of you have the new nature of the Holy Spirit of God in you, God's nature, Christ's nature, and then you have your sin nature, and they're constantly at war. And the war is good. The battle is good. I think that's an important distinction, too, is because if the, the phrase, um, we're not sinners because we—if we sin because—if we're a sinner because we sin—let me make sure I get this right— we're a sinner because we sin. Theoretically, we could not we, we could, could not sinless. sin and earn our righteousness. Yeah. And the Bible teaches against that. No, you can't do that because you are born a sinner. Um, you're you're not going to be able to be good enough. And that's why we need Christ because He came to Earth without sin and lived a perfect life and died the death that we deserved. So how do we, um, just as a follow-up question to that, this side of eternity, um, the uh, God by the power of the Holy Spirit is conforming us more and more into the image of Christ, and the uh, the the uh, we 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 are a new creation in Christ. Uh, you know, Holy Spirit is making us new. So so there are these. You go from um, I, I'm a, I'm a sinner. Um, that that's that's my that is my identity, and I can do nothing else but sin. To now, the Lord's graciously saved you. That out, outside intervention that you're talking about, and we see in the New Testament often times, uh, like Paul um, greets churches as uh, the saints who are in Ephesus or the saints who are at the church of Philippi. How do we? Um, manage those two tensions of knowing that there's still sin in us, but we're also a saint because of the work of Christ. Well, and I think he's, he's, he's referring to the fact that they're, they're justified. Yeah. Um, that idea of justification or the righteousness of Christ that covers them. That's what makes us saintly. Um, it's, it's not the miracles that we do. It's the, it's the Christ covering us, Christ in us and covering us. Um, and that's that's our position. And so therefore he can refer to us as saints. But then as saints, then, I mean, because I mean, a lot of the letters that he writes are corrective yeah, letters. Absolutely. Like There's clearly sin first, in the church. Right, in 1 Corinthians, yeah. you guys are saints, but your actions are demonstrated, you know, yep. and especially absolutely. in 1 Corinthians, it's like, yeah, going and uniting yourself with temple prostitutes, don't yep. do that, that's bad. 
you know, like it's even convincing the bodily bodily resurrection. Do right. not doubt it. Don't yeah. doubt it. Yeah, it, very much, and especially Corinthians. I love First yeah. Corinthians because it just yes, you're saints, but at the same time, you guys are really not living like saints. Yep. So that idea of sanctification or that process of being made holy. Yes, you're positionally a saint, but there's the process then of living every moment in that righteousness um, that which you've been declared, that you've been justified. And, um, and, and that's, I mean, that's the beauty of the righteousness of Christ covering us, but then the righteousness of Christ working against our sin nature. Um, and that's the beauty when Christ returns and gives us new bodies, we're no longer going to have that sin nature. And so at that point then we'll be free from that, that constant dull pull to the things of this world, that, that sin that still exists there. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit working in us to, to take that rebellious nature that's still in us and make it fall underneath the the new name that mm-hmm. God's given us as a saint because of the work of Christ which is why like you why you pointed out the apostle Paul in Romans 7 going to Romans 8 I think is this mark of spiritual maturity here's this um man who God's called who say God saved and God's called to instruct these churches who's talking about indwelling sin in his life. And, and so we see that this there is a mark of understanding the de, our depravity, even as Christians, because Paul's doing that, but he also brings it into that Romans 8, 1 piece. There's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so he's bringing those two things together um, in a way that I think it's helpful for us to think through and model in the way that we think about ourselves and in the way that we behave. Well, I think, and that's one of the things I think the world even can understand is the two dogs in you at war. Um, it, your conscience or the, the righteousness, there's even that that sense that people even kind of have this sense that there is this thing that is working against me. And if you feed that, um, then there's all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I've got, I've got, I've got this, this, this evil within me. And, um, and I think that's, that's the, the world understood that. And I think the world understands that. And so that's why I always talk about outside intervention. The only way then that you can do that is to have the righteousness of Christ cover you. You can't not feed that dog. You're always going to somehow find a way to feed that sin nature and only Christ then can hold that sin nature at bay. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's the beauty of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde book. Um, you know, it's the idea of if I can just take my sin nature out, then I can be a good man, and then I can do all the sinful things as this other person. And the reality is, is Dr., you know, Mr. Hyde ends up taking over for Dr. Jekyll his life because he can't control it. Um, it'll always win. And um, that's that's the uh, that's the point I think of Romans seven and then on to eight, and and even beyond um, when you get to twelve and thirteen of you know how do we live this thing out? Great, um, we've got a little bit of time left, so we have a a bonus question that's not connected to the specific sermon topic, um, but it is something that uh, you, Andrew, 
um, often say when you're doing the offertory, um, quoting uh, scripture when you say, freely you have received, freely give, and just um, the context of that verse. And just uh, real quick, I'll read it. It's from Matthew 10, um, when Jesus is sending out the disciples, and he says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of Israel, heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. Yeah, um, freely you receive, freely give. Um, no, it, <laughs> freely you've received your salvation and everything. Freely give everything in response. Um, and I think that's the beauty of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I use the reason I use that is I want, I want people to understand. It's yeah, obviously it's not just about the money. It's about everything. You've you've received everything from the Lord. And now it's time for you to return and give freely everything back to the Lord in response. And uh, money is, is one of the most tangible ways to be able to do that. Um, you know, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, is what the Bible says. And God loves a cheerful giver and to give cheerfully to the Lord. And um, so I, I, think, I think that's the reason why I use that verse, because it's more complete holistic it's not just about money it's dealing with your life because if he's got your life he's got your money if christ got your you know if he's if he's got everything then your money is it's it doesn't you know here of course you have my money and um and so that's that's kind of the thrust of that um for every disciple to recognize hey you know what we get to freely give you know, God loves a cheerful giver. We get to give generously. We give, you know, in Proverbs it talks about giving until it tickles or to give till it laughs. Like you just give. Um, and I think sometimes we miss out on that. I think it is. I mean, if we're even looking at it from that uh, that specific text, I think the context that you're using it in, which is before we do um, the offering on Sunday mornings, that that is an implication of that text. Like, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to make yeah. that an implication of, of that passage of Scripture because there is this um, mission aspect that the, the Lord's commissioning the disciples to do, and, and you, you, can't, you can't get around the fact that money is a means by which that mission is funded. And, and so I, I think it, if we're pulling out implications from that passage, if that's the heartbeat of the question is how uh, this in this context, it's not saying anything about you giving money. It's talking about you not receiving pay for your service. Uh, yes, that's what it's saying. But I, th- I think uh, it's not that much. It's not a leap to to have an implication of that being that um, serving the kingdom of God requires sacrifice. One of those sacrifices is you giving um, of your finances to help fund the, the kingdom of God. And we should do that joyfully because God has given us much in Christ Jesus. Right. The one just funding the... There's a great, the great story of Naaman being healed, Elisha, and Naaman getting healed of his leprosy, going back to Elisha saying, 
um, let me pay you for what you did. And he said, no, it was the Lord that healed you. I don't want any of your stuff. They do it for the stuff. Um, it, it's that idea, though, of, you know, obviously God's going to do what God wants to do. The sacrifice for Elisha at that point was, um, I'm not, it's not for me, it's for the ministry. You go back and proclaim to everybody that I didn't do it for pay. You go back and proclaim to everybody that I did it for the Lord, that, you know, that I did what I did. It was the Lord that did it, and then the Lord just used me in that moment. Um, and so I think that there's a beautiful picture, too, of that of idea of when we pull our resources together, we get to f- be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission of all of us coming together and sacrificing um, together. We're not taking any money. We're giving it to the church of Jesus Christ to go fulfill the Great Commission. And that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's the idea. We get to do more together as the kingdom of God. God's given us these blessings, and now let's man, let's go use these resources for the kingdom. It's one of the things I love about Coastal that we're we're constantly looking to give more money away to missions and outreach and and other things. Great. All right. Well, that concludes another uh, question and answer session for this week's uh, sermon on the fall of man. Uh, as always, if you have any questions from the sermon on Sunday, you can get them to us by Tuesday afternoon by emailing sermon questions at gocoastal.org and send them in to us. Thank you guys for being available and taking your time to answer some of these questions. And thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.